Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud all passed through the sea. So Paul here is going to share about Israel's history. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Lord, we thank you for placing uh, this new ministry in our midst and and in the heart of uh, Mandy and those who have come alongside to help her. Lord, we ask your continued blessing upon this bus for safety. Lord, we pray for every woman, young or older, that would enter this, that their eyes would be open to a beating heart, that they would know they just don't have a bunch of dead mucus in their uterus, but they have a living child, a boy, a girl, a son, a daughter inside their womb that's precious. Father, we say, save the babies, Lord. Save them and use us for that glory, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching. Bless the morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul's been sharing about Christian liberties and how to practically implement those liberties into our lives. That's what chapters 9, 10, and 11 in Corinthians is all about. So why does the Holy Spirit through Paul give us these examples? We're going to read these, so I encourage you to read ahead. The next uh, couple weeks we'll be going over these examples. Because the Holy Spirit knows the heart of mankind and how Christian liberties can be taken and used inappropriately. You see, he desires to warn those who might think that they have arrived. Have you arrived? Do you have it all together where you don't do a devotion anymore? I don't need to read my Bible because I've got it all figured out. Have you arrived? No one's arrived until they take the last breath. Then you will have arrived. Or are very mature in the faith. Well, you know, I don't need to go to a men's Bible study. What could I learn there? I don't need to go to a women's Bible study. I'm not going to go to a marriage enrichment. Young family, what could they possibly teach me? Uh, Maybe a little bit of humility, maybe. Maybe they could teach you that. Which then allows them in their mind to abuse their liberties. Don't forsake the assembling together, especially in the last days. Gather even more as much as possible. You see, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they were blessed to see God's provisions through miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet they often rebelled and denied the sovereign hand of God. So for us today, it's all about the work of God through the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we stay alert to that fact and that the biblical principle of allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, because the Holy Spirit will work in our lives, We will not fall into pride or allow Christian liberties to lead us into sinful practices. So let's look at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. 
You see, Paul is going to use the Israelites' wilderness experience to give the Corinthians what is called a figure or type. A figure or type. And verse 6 gives us the word example. Down in verse 6, even though we didn't read over it, read ahead, we'll get to it. Now these things became our examples. Our examples. And we should look back, and that's why we should be reading from Genesis to Revelation, not just from Matthew to Revelation. We should read all of the Bible so we can see those examples of what? Our heart. Oh, no, no, just their heart. (laughs) No, no, no. Your heart and my heart is desperately wicked. And so we can learn from that. We can grow from that. And the word example means to die, as in a stamp, a die, Okay, a stamp or scar, print, a nail print. Let's look at Numbers chapter 11. What could possibly be good in the book of Numbers? Wow, lots of things, lots of things. <laughs> Read from Genesis to Revelation, including Numbers. Numbers chapter 11. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting. Fell a-lusting. Now, lust is not always sexual, Oftentimes when we hear the word lust, we immediately think of sexual. Lust is a desire for that which is forbidden. A desire for that which is forbidden. So let's just say I have, well, let's say not to say it, I have it. I have a car. I have an 07. It's got 265,000 miles. It's running great. I'm going to drive it into the ground. I'm hoping for a million miles. Praise God. It's paid for. Insurance is getting less and less and less. But you know, all of a sudden I see a car and I go, oh, man. Why do I drive this old car that worked great and it goes from point A to point B? Cool air, great mileage. Why do I have this old beater? I would just love that. And I start to covet, but as well as lust after it. See, God doesn't want me to have that. It's forbidden. What do you got? You got a car that works. Why are you lusting after that? So it's not always about sexual things. It's about the flesh. The flesh. I want to keep that in mind. And the mixed multitude. Do we live in a... In a, in a a world of mixed multitudes. In other words, people that came out with the Israelites were not all Israelites, they were Gentiles. And they didn't believe in God. They believed in the gods of the Egyptians. So we have to be very, very careful that who we're hanging around as believers. Yes, we need to go to work. I've worked full-time at Motorola. They were a bunch of heathens. No doubt about it. But I took my Bible, I prayed for them, I spoke the gospel, they told me their lifestyle, I shared my lifestyle, now we'd both probably be fired. But, or maybe just me, not them. But anyways, I, li- I worked next to a lesbian. I loved her. Why? Because God loved her. And I let her know that. And she let me know about my God. That's okay. Hey, we can have a mature conversation. I worked next to a, a, a feminist, a black feminist. She was sold out for feminism. We had a lot of great conversations. She knew where I stood, and I knew where she stood. We've got to love people. Let them know that God loves you. They need to know this. We can't be afraid of them, but at the same time, we want to be careful how far we go in that relationship where they're not infecting us or affecting us in the negative sense. And the children of Israel also wept again. Notice this. Now the mixed multitude caused the children of Israel, to weep and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely. What about all the slavery for 400 years? Just the fish. The enemy always wants us to remember that. 
So please remember this. Forget what's left behind and press forward, Paul says. Because it's not as nice as you thought it was. And when you start really, really thinking about it, you're going, ooh, no, I don't want to go back, God. I do not want to go back. Remember the fish which we did in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons, the leeks, the onions and the garlic. But now our soul, notice that, our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Not just their physical being is drying away. No, our soul, our lusting is drying away. We lust for something more than this manna. You see, the Israelites were set free from the bondage of Egypt, but it didn't take them long to think that they were missing out on the things of Egypt. It's a type or figure of our relationship with the world. You see, we've been set free from the entrapments of this world, yet our flesh, if not kept in check via the Holy Spirit, this applies to me. It applies to every Bible-believing Christian will entice us with memories that are false and twisted. You'll think of the good old days and you'll forget about the vomit and the headaches and everything that came along with it. No, don't forget what Jesus did for you. He delivered you from all that. That's what you don't want to forget. Don't let the enemy get you going down that road. So let's look at Exodus chapter 13. Let's look at the first physical similarity figure or type. The Israelites had the privilege of being guided by God during their time in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 13. I encourage you to have a Bible uh, because when they turn off your phones, uh, you're you're not going to be able to get there. Exodus chapter 13, verse 20. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Talk about a night light. <laughs> so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And this took place for the whole time they were in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. You see, there's two ways of looking at this figure. Unfortunately, here's one way. You know, we do not have that same outward physical guide right now. I mean, wouldn't it be nice? God, what would you have me to do today? And then just follow his cloud. Oh, you want me to go over here? Okay, I'll go over here. At nighttime, God, just light the place up. I'm getting a little scared right now. I hear something outside. Boom, it's lit instantly. Wouldn't that be great to have? We don't have that, unfortunately. So that's one side. But fortunately, we do have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us that leads us and guides us into all truth that is far greater than just being led about physically. We actually have God dwelling within us. You see, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts as believers, he now has the opportunity to perform heart surgery. See, guys, this is what a Bible study is all about. If you're here today, you're looking for a church, I encourage you to to come back. Whatever church you're trying to find, give it three to six months. Not just one Sunday. Give it three to six months. Pray and see if... The teaching is causing your heart to be stirred, not just because, oh, that was such a great teaching. No, my heart was convicted. 
See, my job is not to give you a great story, a great joke, you know, a, a great teaching, and you just walk away and talk about, no, 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 no. Is your heart being convicted about what's taking place in your life and my life? That's what the word is supposed to do. It's supposed to convict us that we might become more like Jesus. Not just to become more comfortable. Oh, I, just want a, I just want a happy story when I go to church. He now has the opportunity to perform heart surgery and transform those fleshly, fleshly desires into godly desires. You see, the Holy Spirit will lead me into all truth, as Jesus said in John 16. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, and the he here is the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. But where do we look to for our truth? Well, we might look to the CDC, or we might look to the White House, or we might look over here and over there. And there's nothing wrong with looking at those and getting some information, but is that your ultimate hope? I hope not. I hope the Word of God is. Are we looking at the Word of God daily to see, okay, I need truth here, I need truth here. They're saying that this is true, but is it true? For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. The triunity of the Godhead. Jesus submits to the Father. The Holy Spirit submits to Jesus. But they are all one. Nobody gets a different idea. The Holy Spirit never shows up in heaven and says, Jesus, have I got a good one for you? You've never thought about this one. Father, listen up. This is good. That never takes place. Ever. Ever. And he will tell you things to come. Yeah, but I've been hearing Jesus been coming back for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Here's the difference. Israel became a nation in 1948. That changed the whole prophetic scene right there. Everyone before that, World War II, they thought the world was ending. And, and if I was living back then, I probably would have thought the same thing. If you were living in Europe and bombs were falling, your, your neighborhood was being destroyed, you would have probably been thinking the same thing. But Israel is not a nation. So it's just another war, unfortunately. 1948, uh-oh, God's timing. But still, Israel is not the capital of Israel. 1967, Israel became the capital of Israel. Jerusalem became the capital of Israel. The prophetic clock. Jesus said, this generation shall not pass. He will tell you things to come. We already know who wins. I lose my job? I know who wins. God's going to take care of me. I'm going to stay focused on God. If, if they lock the doors, you are our source of income. You bless this staff, and we greatly appreciate it. But we're walking by faith. Back in 08, when we had the crash, which will never happen again, right? It's never going to happen again. It's coming. It's coming. There was, there was three of us on staff. We took a half a cut in pay, and we were ready to go back to work. We're trusting in God, and God uses you, and God used Motorola, and God used those other jobs that I was at. I'm going to be serving God no matter what. How about you? You've got to keep your eyes, because we know the rest of the story. We know the rest of the story. It's going to happen. Just keep looking up. Just keep looking up. Verse 2, second, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 2, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And this is the Red Sea, not the Sea of Reeds. Some people, including Christians and scholars, will say it was the Sea of Reeds. And the Sea of Reeds is only like uh, maybe 14 to 18 inches deep. And so that's how the Israelites crossed the sea. 
Well, okay, let's go with that. Okay, it was the Sea of Reeds. I mean, that's an incredible miracle because all of Pharaoh's armies was drowned. <laughs> so they just, God just forced them in the ground and they couldn't stand on their, you know, they couldn't get on their hands and knees to breathe. They were just flat underneath the water. Either way, you got a very serious miracle. It was the Red Sea. It was the Red Sea. So here's a second physical similarity type or figure. All of those who came out of Egypt were protected by God. Again, if, uh, Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14, move there quickly. You might go, wow, why does this guy keep going through my Bible? Because <laughs> it's the Bible. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. You guys probably remember the movie Moses and they're at the Red Sea and everybody's crying, you've brought us out in the wilderness. Well, in the Bible, they actually did come to an area of the sea and there were mountains on both sides of them. There was no escape, no escape. So God, the pillar of cloud, the angel of the Lord moved behind them as we keep reading here. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. So even though they're hemmed in and the Egyptians are like, oh, we got them now. They can't go anywhere. We're going to kill them all. Thus, it was a cloud and darkness to the one. Notice that. Spiritual, a miracle. It was darkness to the Egyptians. And to give light by night to the other. The Jews, the Israelites, could see clearly what was going on. That sounds similar to what might be happening today as we're going into a global fear tactic and a global control tactic. You know, Claudia and I are just like, why can't our family members see this? It's just so obvious. This, the Antichrist is alive. This is just so obvious. Yet, every, they're, they're just like the Bible says. We've all gone astray like sheep. They're just following whatever the leaders are telling them to do. So that the one did not come near the other all that night. Go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. You see, God protected them with the pillar of fire. As he was protecting them, the Red Sea opened and they crossed over through the power of God, not their own power. Please try to bring this to your senses today. We're going to get through this season. There's going to be a new norm probably every three to six months. We are never going back to what it was. There's going to be a new norm, fear and control, fear and control, fear and control. We have to control the masses to get to that one world government one world economy, one world religious system. It's grieving. It's grieving. I understand that. But God was protecting them. I'm going to say it again. The Red Sea opened and they crossed over through the power of God. What's going to get you to heaven? The power of God, not the power of man. Moses was their spokesman between God and them. And Paul is going to use that example to show how Jesus has delivered the Christians from their fleshly nature by supernatural power of God. Romans 6. Again, study all this for your baptism. If you have not been water baptized, get water baptized. Romans 6.3, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we so... so even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. 
For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, so water baptism, you're going under the water. It's like Jesus went into the grave, but we go under the water, we come out. Jesus came out. This is what water baptism is all about. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That's why water baptism is so important. You can, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, you should know I got baptized on this day or, you know, I know I received Christ in the spring of 78. I don't have the exact day. Maybe you have it right in your Bible, uh, right when you got water baptized in your Bible. So you can always go back to when the enemy whispers something in your ear. You go, no, I got water baptized, pal. I've died. I've crucified my flesh. I'm living for Christ now. Get behind me, Satan. And you quote scriptures. As Jesus gave us that example, you quote scriptures. That our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin, which we all dragged in here, and when you leave, you're going to drag out a body of sin. It's unfortunate, but that's what we're doing. Might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now, we all sinned this past week. Everybody sinned in this room. But are we a slave to that sin? If we become a slave to that sin, we need to repent, even other sins we need to repent. But we really need to search the scriptures and say, God, deliver me of this, whatever it is. It has captivated me. It's controlling my life. God, deliver me. As Christians, we have the opportunity to be delivered from the power of sin, just like the Israelites were delivered from the power of Egypt. And Egypt, the the name Egypt, is symbolic of the world. What happened to the Egyptians? They were drowned in the Red Sea. What should happen in our lives? Our sins should be drowned in Christ. They should be drowned by the word of God. The word of God will drown that desire and and the Holy Spirit will keep that desire in check if we submit and surrender to it. 1 Corinthians 10.3 All ate the same spiritual food. All ate the same spiritual food. Manna. What is it? It's manna. No, no, no. I want to know. What is it? That's what manna actually means. It means, what is it? That's the name. What is it? That's kind of circular, isn't it? Will you tell me? That's kind of like, who's on first? No, no, no. Who, I'm asking you, who's on first? If you haven't seen it, check it out. <laughs> Paul gives us a third physical similarity figure type. God provided for the Israelites. God provided for the Israelites. Guys, do you know there was no super Walmart back then? There was no fries following them around. No Bashes, no Albertsons, no Costco. We are so blessed. But please, don't buy all the toilet paper. Went to Costco again. No toilet paper. It's like, oh my goodness. Anyways, where were we? It's called manna. You know, it's sweet taste. And God supernaturally provided this food for the children of Israel to eat throughout their wilderness journeys. But what happened? Do you guys, guys know that there's responsibilities? There's God's responsibilities and there's man responsibilities. God provided. He didn't provide it in a Ziploc bag inside their tent. It was on the ground. Their responsibility was to go out and gather. But God always provided. And you'll see that throughout the scriptures. There's man's responsibility and there's God's responsibility. So we have our responsibility to do, and it's not a work for salvation, so don't even go down that road, but it is something that we have to do, like reading our Bibles on a regular basis from Genesis to Revelation. 
Oh, I didn't know I had to read my Bible. You don't have to. Do you want to mature? Well, yes. Then read your Bible. Praying on a regular basis. Well, I haven't heard from God lately. Well, have you put your phone down? Have you turned your phone off? I bet you're hearing from all kinds of people. People that you don't even want to hear from. Claudia's getting some texts now and, and they're vulgar. I mean, she goes, how did this show up? I forget what they call them. They call them fishing. Fishing calls, I guess they call them. And if you reply, you've been hooked. So just delete, do whatever you can, get rid of it, don't respond, because they will go away, but it's just sad. Put your phone down, spend time in prayer. Are you praying with your mate? Those of you who are married, not a dinner prayer, not a 15-second dinner prayer. Are you praying with your mate? 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes every time you do it, four, five, six times a week. You might be thinking right now, you're crazy, pal. I'm never coming back to this church. Now you planted that thought in my wife's mind. Now I'm in big trouble. <laughs> Exodus 13, Exodus 16, 35 says, And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years. What is it? Manna. No. Okay, but I want to know what it is. Until they came to the inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Let's look at John chapter 6. God also provide, has provided for all humanity spiritual food from heaven. So I'm giving you these correlations, Old Testament, if you haven't caught on to it yet, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. Because again, some people will go, well, you know, the Old Testament is so hard to read. I agree, it's hard to read. I've been, I've been reading it for 41 years now. I maybe got 5% of it figured out. Don't get hung up on what you don't know. Get excited about what God shows you. Because you're not going to be held accountable for what you don't know. Just like we do with our children. God's going to hold us accountable what we do know, but what we didn't do, even though we knew it. John chapter 6. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father. Jesus says, my Father. And you will not find this phraseology in the Old Testament. No one ever, I, I don't believe, I might be wrong, and feel free to, to tell me. Otherwise, I'll, 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 I'm not above that. Please, seriously, you, let me know. But I don't see anywhere in the Old Testament where somebody personally said on a regular basis, my father, my father, my father. Jesus says it over and over and over again. That's why they hated him, because he made himself equal with God. But Jesus says, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven... So that would be Jesus, and gives life to the few, to the Calvary Chapelites. To who? To the whole world, 8 billion people. No matter what their lifestyle might be like, for God so loved the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Because they were thinking physical. They were thinking temporal. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So is Jesus also talking about the physical, temporal? You see, he tells us in our text here, I'm the bread of life. Not just a temporary physical satisfaction of the body, of the flesh, because we need to eat, we need to drink. Those are natural, fleshly desires. But an eternal satisfying of the soul. I mean, think about it. The last time you were really hurting emotionally, you probably didn't think about a thick slice of Texas toast. You're probably thinking, God, where are you? 
don't you hear my prayer? Are you real? Are you real? Is your word real? God, what's going on? The satisfying of the soul is what you're searching for. And Jesus will meet that. But we need to do our part. You see, but we, as we surrender our hurt or frustration to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will take you and I to the Word of God. The Word allowed the Holy Spirit to minister to you. And there was a satisfaction that eventually came to your soul. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Philippians chapter 4, right? 4 through 8. A peace. The world is looking for peace. And they're looking in all the wrong places, unfortunately. They're not going to find it. And so Jesus wasn't talking about the temporal, physical food that will temporarily satisfy the flesh, but the spiritual, eternal desire that is found within every human being. You see, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Not my time, guys. How many of you want something beautiful in your time? The rest of you are lying. We want it. God, I just prayed. Why isn't it happening? What's the problem? That's hard. That's hard. Paul suffered that. He prayed three times. God, remove this thorn from me. I don't like this. And the Holy Spirit finally told him, Paul, stop asking. My grace is sufficient for you. This is what I have for you. And Paul went with it. And Paul went with it. And you know what he said? In my weakness, then I am strong. It's when I'm weak that he is strong. That's not the American ideal, is it? We're supposed to be strong at all times. No. Admit that you're weak. And it might be until you get to heaven, until you get healed. Paul was not healed on this side of heaven, but it didn't stop him from ministering the gospel. He pressed on. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, the whole world. That's why we have religion, right? I mean, almost 8 billion people have an opinion about Jesus or about God's little G's, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I don't understand some things that God's done in my life. I'm not called to understand it. I'm just called to believe he works all things together for the good. That's good enough for me. And you know it's best, God, so I'm gonna keep going with you. You see, when a person comes to understand that God loves them so much that he sent Jesus to save them from their own sins, it fills that void. And maybe you're here this morning as an unbeliever and you're sitting there and you have a void in your heart. A void, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, because I'm talk, trying to talk to you spiritually, so let's make it a little more common sense. You're empty, and you're trying to fill it with drugs or alcohol or sex or news or social media or a hobby or whatever it is, you're trying to fill that void, that emptiness, that lack of peace. And at the end of the day, you're still, man, it's just not there. It's just not there. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need to surrender to Jesus because you're not going to find it in this world. You're not going to find it. You need Jesus. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will fill that void that otherwise cannot be filled. You see, Jesus fulfills that spiritual desire. And this is what is said by what we just read in John. You will never hunger or thirst for any other spiritual encounter. You know, when somebody comes and knocks on my door, a Mormon, I don't go, oh, 
I just love to hear what you have to say. So are you kidding me? I got Jesus. I got the Bible. What? Let me give you the gospel. I, I don't even want to hear their stuff. Lucifer, the devil, Satan. No, I don't want to hear any of your stuff. Jehovah Witnesses, I don't want to hear your stuff. But let me share with you the gospel. You're not going to give me some fresh spiritual encounter. I've got the Holy Spirit. Islam? Buddhism? Whatever ism you want to throw out there. Is it going to be better than Jesus? That's why Jesus said you'll never hunger or thirst again. Not temporal, eternal. So even as a believer, if you're here this morning and you find yourself hungering and thirsting, it's most likely because your eyes are on the physical. They're on the horizontal instead of the vertical. And again, this will never satisfy. It never will. Yeah, maybe temporarily, but it never will. You will always be empty. You will always come back to, I need more of your Holy Spirit. So ask, seek, and knock for more of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 10, 4. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ, uh, which means the anointed one. So in the Old Testament, it would have been the Messiah. Messiah, which means the anointed one. And uh, this, you know, you could have a great you know, teaching with this, an analogy that there was some rock that was bouncing with them in the wilderness, and when they'd turn around, the rock would stop and freeze. No, it's talking about the Messiah. They had the hope of the Messiah. When's the Messiah coming? Man, we've been in this desert for 36 years. When's the Messiah coming? For 37, for 38, for 39. When's the Messiah coming? When's the promise coming? But their hope was in the Messiah, the Christ. The fourth physical similarity figure of type. God provided for the Israelites water to quench their thirst. It came from the spiritual rock whom Paul identifies as the Christ, which would be obvious reference to Jesus. So the Old Testament reference here that I picked out, uh, turn to Numbers chapter 20. And as you're turning there, I'm going to read out of Exodus 17, 6. Behold, I stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, then the people, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of all the elders of Israel. So God instructed Moses what to do in Numbers chapter 20, verse 6. Why have you brought us uh, why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness? The whiners are back. That we and our animals should die here. And why have you made us come out to come up out of Egypt to bring us from this e- to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and they fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock. Now this is towards the end of their wanderings. Early on, Moses struck the rock. Now God tells him very specifically, speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Very important because I think most of you know the story. If you don't, again, that's why you want to read your whole Bible. Moses went out. You rebels, you want water? And he took his staff and struck the rock. And after he did that, water came out. But God said, Joe Moses, we need to talk in the woodshed. 
You represent me. And I'm not mad with the people. I'm not frustrated with the people. You represent me, Moses. You're not going into the wilderness or into the promised land because you misrepresented me. Ow! Ow! It's God's deal, not mine. So God will spank us. But guys, know that we represent Christians to this world right now. Don't misrepresent God. Don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. Let them know that you have faith. Fear neutralizes faith. Live out your faith. You see, under the ground is a constant flow of water. Even right now, and due to modern technology, which they didn't have back then, they had water flowing underneath their feet. We have the ability to tap into it. So the children of Israel were walking on top of a constant supply of water. They just didn't have the ability to tap into it. Unfortunately for, fortunately for Christians, fortunately, God has given to us the perpetual supply of his Holy Spirit that we might be satisfied internally. John 7, getting close to wrapping it up quickly. John chapter 7. On the last day, that great day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is going to start tomorrow, by the way, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, commentary by John. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Notice that capital S, the Holy Spirit. Whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, the Holy Spirit dwells within us and is always available. But how often do we complain or go around trying to dig our own wells to satisfy a temporal thirst of our flesh, You see, God desires to satisfy not just our temporal need for water, which we need, but once again, to meet the internal thirst of our soul. We need to understand that principle that we we will tap into the Holy Spirit and find a river of peace in the midst of turmoil. When we understand that principle, and this is a principle. You see, I'm here to teach you principles, not just to tell you a joke, a funny story, but to teach you biblical principles. We will tap into the Holy Spirit and find a river of peace in the midst of turmoil, a river of joy in the midst of sorrow, a river of wisdom in the midst of confusion. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance, out of your heart, the soul, the soul. Father, we thank you and praise you that you have not left us orphans and that we don't get to follow a cloud. We might think that that might be easier, but it's not. We need your Holy Spirit, which is far greater. And Father, we thank you and praise you for that. And that we can ask, we can seek, we can knock anytime, 24-7, for more of your Holy Spirit. And according to your word, according to your promise, not our promise, according to your promise, you will give us more of the Holy Spirit to guide us, to comfort us, to strengthen us. All of those godly attributes that we need, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you freely will give to us if we ask. You'll take care of your end of the responsibility. Are we willing to submit and take care of ours? 
So again, Father, I pray for more of your Holy Spirit for my life. And as a flock, we just pray, Lord, if those who are praying right now with me, they need more of the Holy Spirit, you are going to answer that prayer. That's a guarantee. You answer all our prayers, yes, no, and wait, but you will give more of the Holy Spirit right now. You'll never turn that request away. So thank you, Father, for your generosity, for your goodness, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. If you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We want to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Savior. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you. We'll have people up here, other people praying as well. Please come up for prayer, guys. I doubt your coworkers are going to ask you tomorrow morning, would you like me to pray for you? It's free. We encourage you to come up. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit Calvary Queen Creek dot org.